podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. says January has to be depressing, eh? Yes, hello. Welcome along to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast, where we are well past the halfway point in the League One campaign and Warniola's boys are cooking on gas in their promotion chase. Four wins on the bounce, 13 without defeat in the league to well and truly banish those January blues. Uh, Joining me, Chris Parsons, Ollie Wright from Derby County Blogs here. How's uh, 2023 treating you, sir? Quite well, to be honest. Um, much better after yesterday. I thought we were great, and uh, yeah, just really enjoyed being at a big, a big game with a big, a big atmosphere, and uh, yeah, and like feeling good, really good. It's been a good New Year so far, I've got to say. So uh, thanks for having me back on. I feel like I'm sort of a semi-regular talking head these days, so uh, I'm getting used to it. Um, so don't get me get too smug, though. Yeah, we're happy to have you. So you were actually at uh, you at the game. Against Bolton, yes. were you, were yeah, you not? Is I that was, right? Yeah, um, How was it? How was it at Moss Wise? Because I mean, looking at the looking at the highlights, it looked absolutely rocking. It sort of reminded me of the the Sheffield United home game from about this time last season. It was um, the first half was just good. Um, the second half, Bolton's supporters, even though their team weren't particularly playing very well. Um, just suddenly just decided that en masse, and I think there must have been about 3,000, I'm not sure of the exact figure, but it was nice to see a proper big club. You know, when you when you sort of, uh, there was one game, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but I looked over at the away, away end and I couldn't see anybody I could, uh, from where I was. I just was like, I've actually brought anybody. And uh, yeah, so I think it just felt that bit bigger. And at one point, the, um, the Bolton fans really sort of made a, co- a sort of concerted effort to try and out-sing the Derby fans. And obviously that meant the South Stand got, got up and, and started singing as many songs as they could. Just Bolton fans for about 15 minutes just kept up the sort of the vocal pressure. So it was like, a, it was basically a sing-off. I think Paul Warren said, used that exact phrase. And then I think Conor Aaron scored and then that kind of shut the Bolton fans up and, and calmed them down a little bit. So, um, but it was really good while it lasted. And they were annoying for a while because they just kept, kept going with the noise. Uh, but obviously that meant the South Stand reacted. And so from there you get a bit of a cauldron of noise and it was, it was good. It was proper. You felt having played against some really small clubs, who don't bring a following, it, it kind of stifles the atmosphere because there's nothing really to get get going against. So it, it was much better, much, much better. Reminded you of the you know, the better days. And uh, Anton Martin's here as well. Hi, mate. I mean, Kutch mentioned in our group chat that uh, it's nice to be talking about possible promotion again on the podcast. And I had a little look back in the SBW archives. Uh, the last time we had a genuine discussion about Derby County getting promoted was, uh, was at Wembley, under Lampard, which was more than three and a half years and 92 podcasts ago. It's good to be back, isn't it? Great to be back. Yeah. What a, <laughs> what a way to start uh, 2023. Eh? But um, I mean, e- even looking back to those kind of two seasons in, in the playoff years of 2018, 19 and 17, 18, we, we were kind of, we just sneaked into the playoffs, really. We were never really 
kind of automatic promotion contenders. We were never as good as the the top two. Whereas it feels this year as like we are as good as those top two. We may have had a, a slightly shakier start, but we we are one of the best teams in the league. And it's not really since probably. 2015-16 under Clement where we can probably say that that, that we're really kind of genuine promotion contenders because apart from those outsider kind of playoff campaigns you, you've got to go back that far I think. Yeah well uh, the mood understandably is absolutely buzzing from our five word reviews which we asked you guys for on the SBW Twitter at the weekend after the 2-1 win over Bolton. Uh, Joel Moore said all starting to come together. Uh, John on uh, Twitter, aka Classic Only Child, one of our fantastic patrons, he said a lesson in chance conversion. Uh, Mark Coote, another one of our patrons, said that sexy pass from Bird. More on that in a minute. Julian Gerson, one of our patrons, says feels good not to worry. Can agree with that one. Uh, John Greasley said all of the signings contributing. Uh, Keith on Twitter said second place, here we come. James Brown said, Derby County are truly reborn. Uh, Daniel Warwick, one of our patrons, said, when can we get excited? Uh, Jacob Stevenson said, best performance of the season. Paul Reach said on Twitter, getting used to winning games. Uh, Scrabster Stew on Twitter, he said, Bolton wondering what hit them. I like that one. And uh, David Mountney said, the real deal, we hope. Uh, so yeah, Derby County 2, Bolton Wanderers 1. It just felt like a big, big statement win over a, a top six rival with that first half goal from Nathaniel Mendes Lang and a second half strike from uh, Connor Howran rounding off a sweeping team move, you have to say, to do the damage. Ollie, you said you were there, you, you watched the game from start to finish. It looks relatively tight stats wise so was it deserved yeah it was 100% deserved um i think we were the better team in the first half and we actually missed a couple of very good chances as well as um mendes scoring barcase and could have easily scored on two occasions um one a header a free header where mendes picked him out and he kind of just didn't he's not really a header of the ball is he you know any sort of player who could actually head the ball i'm sure would have scored uh, and then there was one where he kind of ended up checking back on his right foot on the left edge of the box and he, he had a very presentable shooting chance and he just didn't catch it so I ended up passing it back to the keeper there was a few uh, and we just we just looked more threatening than they did I can't I honestly can't remember Bolton carving out a genuine chance until they scored which obviously was in the very very final seconds of the game and was really weird when it was really weird when they scored put it that way because they'd never looked like scoring I don't remember Wildsmith having to make a do anything really I think there was a shot that was at him he had a very quiet game, Joe Wildsmith. I think we managed the game really well. We got in front, and then after that, I can't, like I say, I can't recall Bolton really working us. So I think from a game management perspective, that's that is impressive, especially when they're fifth and we're fourth. It's not like they're a kind of mid-table pootling along. They they've got their own ambitions, but they never ruffled us. They never worried us. The nearest they had to a threat really was their number eleven up front, who I believe is on loan from Prem, uh, and he kind of looked like he might be dangerous but didn't actually do anything um and i think yeah stats wise it didn't we it didn't look that convincing but we were comfortably the better team on the day i was very i was convinced by the performance i genuinely thought we were just markedly a superior team i just think the players we've got are better than 
the majority. I think we've got some players who are easily can say they're among the best players in, in this league. Um, and that is very nice to be able to say. So, yeah, very positive result, very positive performance. It was bizarre when they scored and they didn't deserve a goal. So I'm re- I was very, very, very happy. And I- I'm really glad that all your patrons and everyone has buzzed. Um, although surely James Brown should have just said, I feel good, shouldn't he? <laughs> I did wonder about <laughs> squeezing in a James Brown pun. And I'm sure that is how he's feeling. Uh, Anton, the goal that did come to open the scoring just looked to me like a... Uh, like a you know symbolic of the sort of football we're playing at the moment you know like quick attacking stuff one touch incisive players getting in front of, of defenders to you know to, to get us in front some absolutely textbook he'll be claiming that sort of banter in the aftermath from from Nathaniel Mendes Lang and James Collins um, <laughs> Mendes Lang apparently said I've got no idea how it's come into question I've got a solid contact and James Collins said it was an own goal. Terrific banter. You love to hear about that sort of thing. <laughs> Absolute textbook. But it was, it was, uh, yeah, a very poor worn goal. You'd have to say, I think, wasn't it? In in a good way. Yeah, it was a really good goal from start to finish. Um, I mean, great work down the left, and and great work in the middle by Jason Knight. Really good referee, and to let it. Um, be played on has to be said and then um, just really incisive stuff down the right wing a, a brilliant ball in from Tom Barkhausen who played a, a really important part in in both goals and, and had a really good game again seems to be continuing his, his great form from the last few few games and I, I think Mendes Lang is it well within his rights to, to claim that to be honest and as you say it's it's becoming really synonymous of of Paul Wan's teams. That that really kind of incisive team move. Um, some really slick play. You certainly wouldn't call that hoofball, um, like many fans were were worried about at the start of the season. Kind of really nice um, on, on the floor um, football, just getting the ball forward quickly and um, looking really dangerous and and taking our chances as well, which is uh, really important. I mean, uh, Ollie, it's. An absolutely fascinating one with that goal scorer, Mendes Lang. Like it's his, so six goals and nine assists in all comps for uh, for, for Nat. I'll just call him Nat for for, for brevity. Uh, six goals and nine assists for Nat now. Uh, he could be on course for the best season of his career with the only one that he has that, w- that he had that was better was when he notched uh, 10 goals and 13 assists for Rochdale in League One in sixteen seventeen. I mean, look, this is a guy, Ollie, who a lot of Sheffield Wednesday fans basically said couldn't really be asked for them last season, didn't really deliver. I think he's doubled the goals and assists he got for them already. But under Paul Warren, he was a disappointment for them, but he's been probably one of Warren's biggest success stories, I think, you'd have to say, since he's arrived. Like, what's changed for him? Um, well, I think the obvious thing is he's playing in the correct position. I think um, at Wednesday, it was the same issue where he uh, had been... I think I'm right in saying that they were playing about three wing-backs and they asked him to play wing-back and it, it just doesn't suit him to the extent... I mean, we actually saw there was a fantastic moment in the game yesterday where he attempted a cross. It didn't work out. They actually got a counter-attack going and Mendes just like... It looked for a moment like they might be in, and then all of a sudden you just saw Nathaniel Mendes Lang just cruise back. It didn't even look like he was like breaking a sweat and just took the ball away from um, the, the attacker. And he'd run basically from box to box, back, back to, 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 to sort of redeem the situation. 
but I don't think he likes playing wing back. He, he clearly can, but I think you're better off with his power. He's very explosive, so you don't want to knacker him out, making him tr- trudge up and down the wing all game. You want him to be in those moments where he can you know, explode in the final third. And so you want him on the wing. You don't want him worrying too much about defending. You want him pre- on the front foot. And I think now that we've got him doing that, like you say, he's he just looks like, I think, one of the best players at this level. And a, an interesting point, actually, you talked about his stats there with his goals and assists. One of my friends, actually, on our Patreon um, group, which I'll get a minor plug in for, but he was saying, like, you can see um, Harahan and Barkazen and... Uh, Mendes all getting into double figures for goals and assists. The way things are going, they're all in their different ways yeah. big threats. So I think I think it's as simple really as um, managing to get round pegs in round holes. And they are just excellent players at this level. And once you rev them up and let them go, they're going to do damage. I love Mendes. I love watching Mendes. He's great. Um, and I said, but the I could say the same about most of those players. You know, Knight as well. I'd put in that equation. They're all really, really, really good to watch. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's all very well having the ability, which Mendes Lang clearly has, Anton. But I think the season that he's having really speaks volumes about just how masterful a man manager Paul Warren clearly is. I mean, I've seen a couple of tweets saying that you know is Warren up there with our best sort of man manager a motivator that we've had in a generation. He's clearly better at that than a lot of recent managers that we've had. You know, Lampard is pretty good at that as well. Like Rowett was a very good arm around the shoulder sort of manager who got a lot out of certain players. But, and Oli referenced it there, that he got, he's got Nathaniel Mendes-Lang chasing back to his own corner flag and chasing lost causes. Like, I feel it really says a lot about how Warren is just really squeezing everything out of this group of players right now. I think it's a really good point. I mean, Ollie referenced the fact that it's it's quite simple. If you get players like Mendes Lang kind of in this league at their best, it, they're going to cause damage. And and if you get them in the right positions, one on one against League One defenders, not many of those will will be able to do much. But he's got to be in the right mood and be motivated well in in order to to kind of get into those positions and, and want to do that. So. Warren definitely gets a huge amount of credit because it's not just Mendes Lang that's actually giving 100% for this team. It's it's every single one of those players, whoever that might be in, in, in any given game. So Warren takes massive credit. I, I think also the fans t- must take a huge amount of credit. I mean, the fact that we're, we're playing in front of 30,000 every single home game, it, it must be absolutely dreamy as a, as a as a football player playing in League One, um, the drive and and the energy that you probably get from from that home support and the away support when we when we're, we're kind of selling out away allocations and and then some, um, it's it's massive. So the combination of the the management team and the fans is is really driving the players on, and and we're starting to really reap the uh, benefits of that. I think the interesting thing about um, the way that Paul Warren's public attitude towards the transfer window has changed. Um, because he was kind of earlier on in his tenure, he was very much like, we're going to need to sign players in January. But I think he's realised now that he's got something quite special in this particular blend. And he's now sort of talking about, we don't want to disrupt that. You know, we don't want to, we only want to bring in the right players to sort of improve what we've got. We don't, they don't need bodies, you know. And I think that's right. And I think the atmosphere, I feel like when they walk, and like what, what Anton was saying about the atmosphere at Pride Park, I feel like now when they walk out of Pride Park, they probably just think, whoever these are, we're just going to smash them. And 
that's fantastic, you know. And I think I feel like the attitude around the place at the moment from everyone is is just brilliant. And I would say that the return of Jason Knight to the team, I think, as was flick the switch between looking decent to looking bloody good. Absolutely, yeah. I'd uh, yeah, I completely agree. But uh, in that midfield three is another man who's back in the goals as well, Connor Harahan. Uh, you know, look, I'll hold my hands up. A few pods ago, I basically said that he was a bit crap. Clearly proved me spectacularly <laughs> wrong. I didn't say that, actually. I said he was just underperforming. Yeah, yeah. But he has undoubtedly started posting the numbers that we all expected now. Yeah, so he's well and truly doing the business, scoring in every league game in January. And I think this one, Anson, was probably by far, you know, probably the best of the lot, I think. What I love about the goal that he scored against Bolton is that Bird gets the ball, Harahan looks up and puts his hand up as if to say, give me the ball. And Bird pops it over his head to, to Barkhausen, but uh, Harahan just keeps on running. He sees there's a move on. He sees there's a space in behind and he like bombs on that little flicks head of Barkhausen. And it just spoke to me of, you know, players who are comfortable playing together are playing with confidence, who believe in each other and want to play for each other as well. Like it was a, a peach of a goal, wasn't it? Talk us through it. Yeah, it really was. And it, um, I mean, it's something that we've not really seen from Harahan all season, which is kind of fair enough. It's not really his, his game, but it's great to see midfielders bursting past the strikers because it's so difficult to defend and it's why Jason Knight's made such a massive difference to the, to that midfield and, and why we're really seeing that that midfield click really because that extra bit of energy and that extra bit of license for for the two behind him to get forward because they'll they know Jason Knight will be covering just makes it so difficult to pick up and there, there was so much space at times yesterday in the midfield which is is, is not always the case in, in those big games at the top of the table so it was nice to to see that from from Harahan and it was great finish as well lovely ball from Max Bird and, and lovely little header from Barkhausen I mean you mentioned Harahan's goal involvement as well as the the three goals in the last few games I mean he's got five that, I think that, that makes it five goal involvements in the last seven league games. It took him 17 games at the start of the season to get up to five goal involvements. So although there's an argument to say that Harahan is probably the most underrated player in this team this season because he clearly brings a lot to the team. And I, I know we've given him criticism at times this year because we might have been expecting better. It hasn't necessarily been leading to goals, but we are starting to see those goal involvements coming through. If, if, if even if you if you look past um, those last seven league games, I mean he's averaging two key passes per game across the season, which is comfortably the top of, of anyone in a derby shirt. The next best is one point five. He's third top goal scorer. He's he's joint second in the assist charts for Derby. So d- despite him not having a great season by um, what you hear from, from Derby fans and, and also what we've been saying recently, he's still posting some really solid numbers and th- there's no surprise that he's, he's playing every week uh, under Warren and he's really kind of reaping the v- benefits of this Warren system and, and playing alongside Knight and Bird. Yeah, I absolutely agree with all that. Um, and I would just say, I honestly didn't think it was one of his better games overall yesterday. He wasn't as influential. Bolton had more of the ball than us. They they did try to play. They tried to pass out from the back. They tried to move the ball. They didn't just lump it. Um, maybe they should have lumped it a bit more. It might, have, it might have helped them because they got nowhere. But um, 
we didn't have as much of the ball, so it wasn't a really a game that suited Harrahan. And I would say, actually, it wasn't a game that suited David McGoldrick very much. He worked his socks off, but he didn't really get a chance to uh, to sort of show what he can do on the ball. But but then, even though it's not a game where he's massively involved, he pops up with the decisive moment because he's got that quality. I do remember the chat with, I was on the same pod when we talked about Harrahan, and I was I can't remember exactly what I said at the time, but I was definitely in the camp of keep the faith. And I might have gone on about the old boy who sits behind me and was slagging him off left, right and centre in every game. And really, and I've got to the point where I wanted to turn around and just tell him to put a sock in it but he either wasn't there yesterday or he's learned the error of his ways because there was no anti-Harahan um, so I think he's gradually winning people over I think I think a part of it is his expectations because he was a big name signing for a team coming down to League One you know you're not going to get many bigger names than Harahan in this level and I think everyone expected him to I don't know what they expected from him really whether they expected him to be you know kind of a Wayne Rooney style free kicks and you know kind of Penenka penalties and you know just generally bossing everything on his own but that's that's a bit unfair I think it was just our expectations of him probably needed to be a little bit dampened down maybe and he's just a quality player and Paul Warren's picked him religiously I don't think he's dropped him or very very rarely uh, and him and Bird together in the midfield is very silky at times and, and then when you add Knight's pace and kind of energy and willingness you've got an excellent I think an excellent blend between those three so I hope that those three stay fit and keep playing together we should be on a winner then so that's an official correction and clarification from me personally uh sorry about that one turns out I didn't really know what I was talking about but you know you can only really react to what you're seeing and hearing at the time and uh these things happen but it was an emphatic strike from Harrod and Harrahan and uh, well speaking of emphatic we haven't. We can't go any further without talking about Max Bird's goal against Cheltenham, which we haven't. Uh, we haven't potted since that wonder strike. I mean, me and Tom were right behind it in the away end at Cheltenham. Seems a bit of a no-brainer to me, Anton. But simply put, is that goal of the season over already? Done and dusted. It's an interesting question. I mean, f- first of all, it was it was just an unbelievable goal. I I actually heard people talking about it on um, not the top 20 podcast they were like it's a goal that you don't really see anymore which I completely agree with no no one really hits it from that distance anymore because everyone tries to to kind of play neat and tidy football get it into the area to to create a better chance but when it when it comes off it just looks so good Um, and it it was absolutely miles out you you saw him shaping up and you're like he's not going to hit that is he and he he does and it's absolutely perfect and the keeper gets nowhere near it despite it being so far out I mean talking whether it's the best goal of the season I I actually think don't want to take any recency bias into account which is why I had a bit of a think about it um, over a cup of tea this evening and I, I actually think Dobbins shades it for me still against Torquay in the cup. The reason being like the, the technique of the volley is is just such a more difficult skill bird. Although it's much further out, he's got a lot of time to, to kind of pick his spot and, and kind of get it under control. Whereas Dobbins is it's kind of a, a ball coming down from, from the sky. He's not got that much time to think about it and he absolutely leathers it into the top corner. So that would probably shade it for me. We've also had a number of really good team goals as well. Can't can't really pick a winner from those, but you'd probably say Bird and Dobbin are top two. Um, and it, 
take a hell of a beating to to find one better than that this season. Yeah, it's it's a really difficult one to call, isn't it, Ollie? Uh, I think you could definitely make cases for both of those goals, which were both amazing in different ways. Do you have a particular favourite from the two of them, or even a different goal completely? Well, yeah, no, I love Dobbins. I was going to mention his because it's a it's a like Anton said, it's just a superb goal. Um, I think probably just for the point that it, it was a really important goal in a league game, maybe Maps has just shades it just because it, you know, talking in the cup, we would have won anyway, you know, but yeah, I think, I think Max is the interest. I was listening to the radio. I, I mean, I'm very envious of you being in the away end for that one. The only, the one that probably I was, I would probably compare it to slightly was one that George Thorne scored at Huddersfield uh, in about 2016, I want to say. Yeah, I was there, for, you that there one. for that one. Yeah, I was at that one. That was amazing. And, I was behind it and being behind a goal like that, there's no better feeling. I think it's just at a football game. It's just to see one scorch in like that is just unreal. So uh, yeah, very, very jealous of that. But what would say, I was listening on the radio and um, Ed Dawes sort of screamed that, you know, Max has scored a screamer from 25 yards. And then, then uh, when I saw it on the replay, I was like, he's, he's taken 10 yards off that. <laughs> it's like, if not 15, it's, it's from way downtown. You know, it wasn't anywhere like 25 yards. It was 35, if, if, if anything. So I think to have the technique and the, the confidence, the sort of stones even to shoot, like, like Anton said, I can't remember too many, having seen too many from that distance. I remember one game where, at Pride Park where a Crystal Palace centre-back, I want to say Patrick Paddy McCarthy, but it might be wrong, but... But a Crystal Palace centre-back scored one from that range and it was a, an absolute sickener. So, yeah, it is rare to see because, like Hanson was saying, it's, the, it's the, not the done thing in this day and age. You just have a punt. But, yeah, what an unbelievable strike. And I think to control it from there, unbelievable. You know, in terms of, if we're talking goals from far out, I mean, the only one that comes to mind is is the one that Petrov scored against Derby in, in that season. But let's let's not talk anymore about that game or that goal or that season. Uh Token shout for Matt Oakley against West Brom in 06 07. I think that was from quite a way out. I don't know. I'm sure people can, you know, give us a tweet at Steve Bloomerpod. Can you remember a more recent Derby County goal scored from further out than Max Bird against Cheltenham? You're completely right to shout that because he looked at least 10 yards out away from the 18 yard box. So must have been pushing 30 yards, if not more. So it was an incredible strike. Um, and as I said, Tom and I were right behind the Max Bird wonder goal at Cheltenham last week. And uh, you can actually hear our in-game reaction to that one over on the uh, SBW Patreon in our first ever Away Days bonus podcast. And here is a little taster. We're in Tom, we're in Wadden Road. It's, <laughs> I haven't seen a ground like this for a long time. What's your first impressions of it? That's like four tiny stands. Uh, mate, this is unbelievable. It's like a throwback to... 80s 90s sort of football beautiful stand to our left hand side really retro like a corrugated iron roof um brilliant away end like so so compact loads of noise and loads of atmosphere it's gonna be brilliant today chris Okay, that's more like it, Tom. One, one. After what? Eight minutes. 
Tom, what has Max Baird just done? Christ almighty, what a goal that was. That is a Chris Parsons thunderbastard, trademarked into the top corner. Unbelievable goal. We're right behind it. Absolute screamer. Keeper no chance. 2-1 derby. Amazing. Second half, let's go. No subs that I can see for Derby, so uh, kicking towards your way, fans, in the second half, are metres away from the goal. See what happens. Yes, please, Tom Derby. 3-1. What a lovely goal that was. Tommy Barkhausen, four and three games. Are we in again? Go on. 3-1 Derby. So, uh, yeah, to hear that one in full, as uh, as well as unlocking our archive of 18 more exclusive bonus Derby County podcasts, just head over to Patreon dot com forward slash Steve Bloomers washing. Hi there we county fans. I'm Branko Struper. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop. Hi, I'm Mart Poom. And you are listening to Steve Bloomers washing. Martin Hughes collecting really well and what a great ball that is for Hendrik. A sublime Derby County fourth. Elements of magic in the build-up and a second for Hendrik. So uh, part two then, Ollie, we have to have this conversation uh, and you're probably not going to enjoy it or, or relish me asking, but look, the Rams glass is undoubtedly half full at the moment, four wins on the bounce and we have conceded a few more recently, but we're generally really solid at the back. And despite the longest unbeaten run since the Jim Smith days, we're still not really making much ground on the top two, Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday. So look, I have to ask the question, is automatic promotion still a possibility? I don't think it is. Before we talk about that, though, I just wanted to ask you about the Cheltenham game because I really enjoyed listening to that um, audio from that. But how many, do you know roughly how many we took? So I think I'm right to say the attendance for the game was about 5,500. So how many how many Derby fans were in? Do you know? I think it was about, about 1,500 yeah. in total. So we must have been a massive presence in a ground like that. Well, yeah, we had the whole away end and then a little bit down the side section as well. And uh, yeah, you can't really tell that because you can just hear me screaming like an imbecile <laughs> but uh, you know yeah it was very solid numbers brilliant day out the, the trade mark chris parsons possessed celebration was out again yeah, that's the one yeah. yeah yeah full, full on sort of uh demonic episode <laughs> yeah but uh ollie top two talk to me what do you reckon it was just really fun to listen to that um yeah no i think as you pointed out we've been on this fantastic run and yet we're not catching them and the reason for that is they've been on even better runs just as long and even better Plymouth are already past 60 points which is insane you know and you look at their um I had a look at their kind of results grid because I've got into the results grid where you look at you know who've they played where you know and it's a nice little graphic that I sometimes put on Twitter if anyone wants to have a look at them and um They've beaten like all the top teams at home. The, the only top team that they haven't played at home yet is us. And they've beaten everybody else. So they are absolutely the real deal. And they're not going away. And honestly, I think with Wednesday as well, it would take a big... They would From the position they've put themselves in, it would take a, it would take a big flop now. Uh, and I know we're still quite a long way out. But when you look at the amount of points they've got to get, 
it's not that many, really, you know. So I think they can they can almost afford a couple of slip-ups here and there, um, whereas we really can't, you know, and already that's the case. And, and I know we've been fantastic and I know we've won a lot of games, but the, the pace they are setting is so fearsome that we just we just can't catch them. So I think, I think realistically we have to look at third place as the prize. Um, and then if we can finish third then take on whoever's sixth, whether that's Barnsley or wherever it might be, and, and smash them and, and get to Wembley and, and deal with Ipswich or Bolton, uh, I think is the most likely scenario at this point. But obviously there's a hell of a long way to go, and this is just predictions, you know, which could be completely wrong. But I just feel like they are, they've been so good that it would be weird if they suddenly just stopped being good. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think it's too much to ask. Yeah, Anton, I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that we've done this sort of hypothesising on the pod a few times and we're like, oh, if we win this many games and and they slip up four four times and we, we could avoid relegation or go up and literally every single time we've got it completely wrong. Um, but on the other hand, look, Derby are averaging two points a game, slightly over 2.0 points a game since we last lost in late October and 1.9 points a game. Uh, under Warren in total. And since we last lost, we're averaging top two form. And under Warren, we're averaging like top three or top four form. So look, if we can't dream with the top two now, then when can we, quite frankly? Let's be honest, Chris. It's it's just really nice to to watch Derby County winning football games, scoring goals and and looking a really good team. I mean, I, I completely agree with what Ollie was was saying about the top two. I was going to say exactly the same thing. When when you when you're trying to chase down teams that are, are kind of equally as good and and on such good runs, it's it's going to be difficult. I mean that you look at the last eight games, Plymouth have got 18 points from those. Sheffield Wednesday have got 18 points, and Derby have got 18 points. So even though we're on a, a brilliant run and our best run of the season, we, we haven't gained a single point in in the last eight games. So, but I don't think we should be worrying about that. I, I think we've got to just enjoy how it's going at the moment. Um, I mean, we we spoke pre-season the fact that challenging for playoffs would be a, a really good season and we'd be really happy with that. We personally, I, I think we're performing above expectation this year seems like playoffs should be relatively comfortable as long as things don't go horribly wrong and it's just nice to to see us doing well i mean any guesses from you guys that the last time we won four straight games in the league oh good question uh i'd have to maybe say under oh no hang on we did it under i'm sure we talked about this before we did it under koku didn't we either side of lockdown yeah that is bang on chris so yeah 2020 COVID season between, I mean, there were five straight wins actually that season over the course of four months because it was uh, separated by the the first lockdown. Um, some some enjoyable games that on that run as well. It was the Sibley hat trick, um, the Sibley uh, thunderbolt against Blackburn, and also Rooney's free kick against Preston uh, in that one nil win. So it's it's been nearly three years since we've put together a run of, of four straight wins. Um, I know there's been a, a few COVID uh, breaks between that, but you've just got to enjoy it. Like we, we, We're confident and we're going into every game at the moment thinking we can win. And, and as a supporter, that's all you can ask for. All I'm going to say, Ollie, look, Wednesday I've got Cheltenham away in midweek when we've got Port Vale and then their next two after that 
are Plymouth at home and Ipswich away. Ooh. I mean, look at it, teams. They can't all win those those games, all the teams above us. I'm just saying there could be a chink of light. That's all I'm saying and all I'm saying. But look, I've yeah, got yeah. I've got a real pickle mm. here, boys, because I got invited last week to a stag do in Dublin on the final weekend of the season. Now, the, the quandary is, do I just assume that Derby can't catch the top two uh, or do I dare to dream and think that there could be something riding on that game and try and swerve it or try and get back in time to, to well, get to Hillsborough? If you were in my situation, how would you play that one? I have a question for you. How good is this, mate? <sighs> mm, pretty pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Does, does he listen to the podcast? <laughs> I don't think so. No. <laughs> I did think that earlier. I would say I can find you the name of a decent sports bar in Dublin because I went. I was once saw a, a Leeds v Derby league game in Dublin over a couple of lunchtime pints of excellent stout, which wasn't Guinness. Uh, it was a different type, and nearly got <laughs> I got told off for the, by the barman for celebrating over over the top when Chris Martin equalised and I think the last kick of the game. So yeah, no, you can still still be able to watch it. I would have thought, but. It is a difficult one because you want to be, yeah. I mean, I feel like the last weekend of the season is, is Wednesday v Derby, and it's going to be, it's whatever's happening, it's going to be a big, big game. That so uh, it's a horrible conundrum. I don't, I don't envy you that at all. Thing is, I've actually got precedent for this because uh, in fourteen uh, fifteen, I actually uh, I was on also on a stag do on the final weekend of the season in Manchester, uh, and I managed to persuade everyone on the stag do to come with me to watch Derby v Reading. Oh no! <laughs> when, of course, Derby needed a point to finish sixth and lost three 0 <laughs> There was even a fucking Forest fan on this Stag Do group, and but he went surprisingly easy on me. So fair play to him. But it was it, it ruined the weekend for me. Got to be honest. Um, and so I'm just very wary of what happened last time. I don't know what to do, Anton. Really, do you have any possible positive suggestions? I mean, I I don't have um, a good idea for you, Chris. To be honest, I mean, what what I would say is it's quite easy to get back to derby from um dublin so you can always make a late late flight back for the game are you thinking some sort of well it's in sheffield isn't it it's uh it's away oh, is it away that well i mean it's easy to get back to sheffield as well so you could always uh, go for half the weekend and then uh, make a, a, a bit of a, an early exit so some sort of mad london dublin sheffield triangle 24-hour journey could be on the cards god knows what will happen but i need to put some more thought into that one um anton you talked earlier about the playoffs and uh, yeah we're all looking up at the moment but it's easy to forget just how far clear we are of seventh as well nine points clear of seventh although Peterborough do have a game in hand this is a tricky one because in pre-season a lot of people genuinely said look top 10's fine top half's fine we're happy we exist blah 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 after what we had but you know look we've come so far since then so in the position we're in now, would falling out of the playoffs make this season a failure, do you think? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because as you say, and as I mentioned earlier, we, we are probably a little bit further on than we'd be we'd have been expecting at this point. And if you were to look at it at the start of the season, I don't think missing out on the playoffs would have been a disaster. But when you look at the position we're in now, it would have to be a, a pretty serious decline in performance in, in the second half of the season. And, and when you when you look at how Paul Warren's kind of changed this team, we're only getting better. So I, I can only see us really 
improving even further over the second half of the season and I'm relatively confident and I hope this doesn't come back to, to bite me on the arse but I'm, I'm relatively confident that we will maintain this level of performance and, and if we do we'll, we'll be kind of more than comfortable um, if, if we're not to go up this season whether that's slipping out of, of the playoffs or, or kind of losing in the playoffs um, I, I think we're really well set up for next year that's that's the positive outlook to to look at. I mean, we're we're playing at this level. In I mean, Paul Warren's only not even had half a season. He's signed one player on loan um, that he wants through the door. You'd expect hopefully in, in the summer once the embargo hopefully starts to lift, it will start be able, being able to shape the team even further. So whichever division we're going into next season, you've got to think quite optimistically about our chances whether that's in the championship or in league one so we're we're on a a very long process of building something what seems to be pretty special under Paul Warren so I I don't think we need to panic too much if if things don't happen um, kind of emphatically this season yeah Ollie on the face of it I we're pretty much lodged firmly in the playoffs right now like we're a fair way off the top two and we're a fair way above the teams chasing the top six, but I don't, I've never really felt like this about the teams around us before. I'm not really scared of any of them. Like Bolton, we're taking four points off them. Barnsley, beating them. Wickham, beating them. Peterborough, beating them. Ipswich, we only lost two away from one mistake. We've genuinely got nothing to fear in the playoffs, assuming we do reach them, have we? I I agree with that. Um, I've been obviously I've been fortunate enough to have a season ticket. Um, thanks very much to the missus for letting me go. Um, yeah, I think technically the drop off from the Championship to League One, and people who've been going to the games will see this, especially the smaller teams. The players just they aren't anywhere near the same caliber. I mean, you you think about Championship football. Most teams, even the, the sort of poorer teams, would at least have one player that you'd think, ah, he's a, he's a threat in some way. And there's some ga- there's some teams that come, and honestly, the players just are so anonymous and so generic almost. You know, they're just they're just okay. You know, they they, they work exceptionally hard, but they haven't got any magic in them. And I think that's what separates Premier League and Championship from League One standard players. There's just that edge of quality and uh, we've got enough players who've got that edge of quality to make us a, a significant force in this division and I think I agree with Anton and yourself I think I think it's your assessment as well it would be a significant fail. I think Paul Warren would be devastated if we didn't make the playoffs now I would be devastated uh, I think any Derby fan would be so disappointed if we if we didn't because you named some of the teams there I look at them, Peterborough, Wickham, Bristol Rovers, Oxford, that's like just outside the top 10. I mean, you know, come on. I think I feel like in this division now, I'd say there's a gap between, I'd honestly say probably between the the current top six and the rest. Then you've got the top six at the rest at the moment, I'd say is the most likely top six. I think that the guys below that are kind of okay, but then you're very much of a muchness from... 10th 11th down you know it's 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 a very limited division so I, I honestly think and it probably sounds a bit arrogant but I, I wanted us and I've said this in some of the articles I've written like on our Patreon and stuff I wanted us to start throwing our weight around as a club and because we are a massive massive fish at this level we are and we're playing like that now we are playing like a big big fish in a small pond and that's that's what I wanted to see I want I had a bit of a bloodlust I wanted to see some goals you know I wanted us to smash some things and we started doing that, you know, we've, we've walloped a couple and it's been great. So I honestly feel like, yeah, it, it, under Warren, it's definitely clicking, like Anton was saying. It, it, 
we are building, we are getting better all the time. Uh, and I think things could always go wrong, but a lot would have to go wrong for us to not make top six. It really would. We'd have to have like an injury crisis or something like that, because that's possibly one little issue because we're developing from such as almost a ground zero you know we've we've still got quite a thin squad in some ways so that's one potential hazard but other than that can't see us dropping out of the top six yeah plenty of reasons to be cheerful the only way is up Ipswich Town we are coming for you we're going to leave it there for now Um, so thanks ever so much for tuning in to uh, podcast 148 on Steve Bloomer's washing Uh, Anton Martin thanks for joining us cheers Chris pleasure as always and uh, Ollie we will bring you back in soon where hopefully the unbeaten run will still have continued absolutely and uh, hopefully my new book will be out as well so (laughs) it's nearly there we'll definitely get it back on for a plug of that at the very least Uh, thanks for coming on come on Darby Oh,